Greetings, girlfriends share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? Here we record. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Debbie with The Girlfriends, and we've got a great show today. Uh, today, we've got our one of my dear, dear friends, Brenna Stahl. She is a pastor's wife. She's a mother of seven, and she's the author of the internationally best-selling book, Coach Mom, Seven Strategies for Organizing Your Family into an All-Star Team. And let me just tell you guys, she has an all-star team team. You are going to be so blessed to hear her story today. And Brenda's been mentoring women for 25 years, and she has had the ability to impact moms everywhere. So Brenna, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Good. Well, we're happy to have you. I want to jump right in because I think we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, Brenna, so I've known you forever. And after having five children, and it a lot of boys, four boys, <laughs> Go boys, yeah. go boys, go boys. <laughs> one, one girl, and they're all pretty close in age. They're like stair steps, aren't they? Like uh, yes. a couple years apart. Um, you decided to adopt two more children. And I remember thinking she is out of her mind. What? You probably thought the same thing. You're right. You're right. Well, clearly. Oh, go ahead. No, just tell me that. Tell us that story because I'm still floored by it. Uh, five kids to me is so over the top. And then to add two more. You know, you know, we really, we agreed with that. We, we thought five kids was over the top and it felt that way when they were little. We never, th we had more children than we ever dreamed. And we, I never thought about adoption. Um, my prayer partner, the year that God called us to adopt, she was in the adoption process. And I always just remember going, I am so happy to pray for you. Like <laughs> that is amazing and wow. Um, but I never dreamed that God would would call us to adopt too. But it started coming up. And you know how God does where it just starts coming up one way and the other. And we had the first day that it really came to our attention, we had um, an emphasis on the orphan, orphan crisis at our church. And we had a, a speaker who at the end challenged everyone to pray, every family to just pray for 30 days, Lord, what would you have me do about the orphan crisis? And I thought, you know, we can do that. We can pray that. And I thought, you know, obviously it's not going to be adopt for us because we've already got our, our hands full. And I'm not even sure I'm keeping up that well with the five I've got, you know, and, <laughs> and we walked out of that service and my son, Micah, who's, who has been known to be quite prophetic in his life since he was little, like the things he said were just right and true. And there was just the special spirit about him. And he looked up at me and he said, mom, we need to adopt an orphan. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wait, Micah just said that. And I'm just like, uh, I'm trying to take a deep breath. And I'm just saying, you know, Micah, I, and, and he goes, can we, can we adopt? And I was just like, 
Micah, what we can do is we can do what the pastor, what the speaker just said, is we can pray for 30 days. And I thought, and I'm sure, you know, we'll be good. We'll probably give more towards some causes and things like that. So we started doing this. Well, that night, my my husband was the missions pastor at our church at that time, and we hosted a big like orphan crisis event that, you know, Francis Chen and some others spoke, there were giveaways and all this stuff. Well, it came time for the grand prize, the basket with all the adoption stuff in it and, you know, books, tapes and all this. And they pulled our name out of the hat. (laughs) Chris and Brenna stolen. And we're like, oh, no, 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 we're only here because we're hosting. No, 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 draw another name. And they said, no, we believe nothing happens by accident. And they're like, and I'm like, I don't want the basket. (laughs) Do you not get it? I don't want the basket. I'm scared of the basket. And and that was only the beginning of things. Like people started having dreams. They would tell me different things were happening. You know how it's coming from every direction. It's on the radio. I'm just thinking, oh my goodness. Um, I, we, we took a trip with some pastors and their wives that we had annually for this, these meetings. And it was in New York city that year. And, um, one thing that God always does, like when he wants me to read a book, he'll have people recommend it to me until I finally catch like, wow, it's funny. Like you're the third person or fourth person in a week that's told me I should read this. And then I'm like, clue in. Yeah. So there was, um, the book by Stephen Curtis Chapman's wife, uh, what, what is it? I too, I can't remember, but it's, it's talks about their adoption yeah. and things like that. And I, I knew heading off to this trip and three or four people had asked me about it. If I'd read it and I said, no, no, I haven't. <laughs> but then I was like, okay, I need to get this book. So I show up at that trip. And one of my friends I talked to once a year, I'm like pulling her over. I'm like, all this stuff keeps coming up about adoption. I'm just like wondering what in the world is going on. And she goes, have you read the book? Whatever. And I go, no, but I know I'm supposed to read it. And she pulled it out and she goes, here, read it. And I was just like, oh my goodness. I'm like, no, I don't want to take it from you. You brought it for this trip. And she goes, oh no, no, you're reading this. So I sat there in the middle. The next day I read the entire thing, sitting, waiting for Broadway tickets from the, you know, half price deal. I sat in the middle of Times Square and there was all this hustle and bustle and the Lord was really starting to work on my heart. But at the same time, I was still so scared and I would, I still wasn't positive. And, you know, I was driving along and I'd be thinking, I'm overwhelmed with five today. How can I, no, I've just got to, this, I just have to push this down. I can't do this. I, I need to focus on the five children God's given me. I need to do a good job with them. Well, it came down to like the last, this is months. This is months. Like that was in November. We started praying. This is in the spring. This is how long this took. But every, Micah would not let us stop praying about what was your he, Lord. How old was Micah? He was 10. I think 10 or seven. I think he was 10. And, and every night we pray over each one of our kids and, and every night, if we forgot to pray for that, he would just keep his eyes shut and he'd be like, orphans. <laughs> and I just feel like, 
<laughs> okay, and Lord, show us what we would do, should do about the orphan crisis. So he kept us on this. Well, then he started talking about the song that his choir was singing at, at school. And it ended up, they came into this luncheon. I wasn't even supposed to be there, but at the last minute, I was able to go to this volunteer luncheon at the elementary school. These kids filed in, oh, the week before. Uh, here's what Micah would always ask me. Has God told you yet? <laughs> oh, and I'd be like, you know, I'm not positively sure. It does seem to be coming up a lot. But I'm not positive. Um, but I said, you know, it doesn't pull my heart when I hear about the millions mm -hmm. of orphans. But what what tugs at my heart is when I think about the one who tonight does not have a parent scratching their back and praying over them and saying, God loves you. And I said, to be real honest, that does get to me sometimes when I think about that. Okay, so now fast forward to this thing where his choir filed in, and we were in a Title I school, so all, all colors, all shapes and sizes and, and all this, they come in, and they start singing this song, and it, and it was like, um, will, you, will you stay by my bedside mm. while I go to sleep? Will you stay by my bedside while I go to sleep? Would you hold my, or I, I don't know. It's like, will you hold my hand so gently and all this? And it's like, and I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, oh my goodness. And I'm just thinking, okay, Lord. Okay. I, it's something. I admit it. It's something. Yes. Yes, I will. Okay. Is it foster or is it adopt? Because I had a lot of friends who were fostering too. Mm -hmm. And the second verse was, will you hold me forever? So I know you care. Will you brush my head so gently and smooth my hair? For I know that you hear me and mm -hmm. you, I know that you see me and you hear me speak. And I was just like, I know. I do, I do, I do see you, I hear you. And I was just like, I'll do it, you know. So I went home that day. I, I just had tears streaming down my face. Yeah, you're crying, I'm not crying. I could Thanks a lot. I got home, I found that on YouTube, a choir singing that song, and I listened to it no less than 50 times over and over and cried all afternoon. Micah came in from school and I said, he came right into my office and I said, Micah, now I know. And he goes, I knew it. I knew it. I saw you crying. We all saw you crying, Mom. I was sitting like <laughs> at the front table. But um, you know what I found out about that song later? I, I asked the director for a copy of it, and it was called Now I Know. Mm. And I was just like, what? And, and I wrote the people who wrote it, and I just told them the whole story. And I said, I don't know what you had in mind. Because it didn't really seem to make sense to me yeah. what the title, when I looked at the words, but it made sense to me. Yeah. And I just told them that was, that was amazing. So that was, that's when we started our journey. Okay. So I surrendered. were you and Chris, um, all, all through this, uh, Chris, your husband, were you guys on the same page? Had you already discussed this with your other kids? Where's the family unit at? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the whole family was praying. 
And um, my husband, Chris, had been to a conference where he had heard a speaker, and he said he felt like, I can't remember, I think it was in the spring, and he came back and he goes, I think we may be adopting a boy and a girl. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Wow. Not just adopting, but a boy and Two? a girl. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. Like, okay, this is scaring me. But that was before all this happened. And then when that happened, yeah, we were definitely on the same page. And what made you go to Sierra Leone? So that's, how did you get to that point? You know, and we had a mission trip planned to Zambia to work in some orphanages that summer. And we thought, oh, this is going to be the obvious. This is going to be the obvious thing. You know, so we were just like high alert, high alert prayer. <laughs> which one is it? You know, which or two or whatever. And um, we came back and we were just like, I don't know. I, I don't think. I don't think anybody there, but he had this trip to Sierra Leone planned to take a group. I, I didn't go on that trip. And, you know, I just, we had very limited texting because it was just one of those deals where like, we only had our plan was tiny. We could just say very few words and very few texts. Mm -hmm. But I happened to think about it one day and I was like, I wonder if there's anyone over there. And I texted him and I said, hey, have you happened to do you sense there might be anyone there? And he just texted back and said, yes, Mariana, age seven, and John, age nine. And he was like, please be prayerful going into meetings this afternoon. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I, I like more information needed. I didn't hear anything else about it until he got off the plane a few days later. Mm. But he brought back videos and all this. And he said, yeah, yeah, these are... These are the kids. So, oh my word, pretty cool. Wow. Wow. How long have you had them now, Brenna? How long have they been with you? It's been seven years. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Really great, awesome years. It's been the hardest <laughs> thing we've ever done in our lives. It it really has been. Um, but God has been faithful through it all, and. He always equips us for every day. We only have to take one day at a time. And that's what we've done. We've had to break it down to one day at a time. If we weren't living that way before, then we began living this way. Um, he, is, he is so kind with his, his confirmations um, all along the way. Like right after that happened where I said, okay, I know we're supposed to adopt. I went to church on Sunday and I, I had been talking to Chris's secretary, Sandy. She has... She was the mission secretary, huge heart for orphans and stuff like that. And I said, Sandy, okay, we know we're supposed to adopt, you know? And she goes, oh, she goes, okay, I just got the packet in from our, our sponsored kids from Sierra Leone. I wonder if it could be one of them. And she went straight to these pictures and she, we start going through the pictures and I pulled out um, the two cutest picture and I was like you know I said this is I would hate to say this because just because they're the cutest but it would probably have to be one of these either this one or this one <laughs> and it was it was a boy and a girl okay I completely forgot about that moment that was in May we started on what was like a two and a half year journey with mm -hmm. paperwork we mm -hmm. started the adoption process before we actually knew who it was. Well, then Chris traveled that summer. 
identified these kids. I didn't think a thing about those two pictures. We were in our final, final wrap up of getting their visas at the very end. And I needed adoption paperwork is like the most unreal thing, like putting in your last 12 addresses and literally um, drawing schematics of your siblings homes because in case we died and they need to go and telling them what the plan would be and it's just like unbelievable information I'm not a detailed person even that is a miracle that I made it through all that but I was on the last few details and I thought you know I needed some more information on something so I looked back on the website of the group that they had been sponsored through guess what they had not updated their pictures and I looked at those two pictures. Those were the little kids. Oh, I had pulled out and said it would have to be one of these, oh. but they're not the, and I just was like, what? Those are the kids? The, that's them? Like, mm -hmm. I didn't even know. So, I mean, there were so many confirmations we knew without a doubt mm -hmm. that this was supposed to happen, but we definitely, we, we definitely met challenges all along the way, our attorney in Africa um, got thrown into jail for something at one point when we thought we were going to bring him home and, you know, just trusting in God's timing mm -hmm. on everything. But then, then Ebola came to Sierra mm -hmm. Leone. And yeah. I mean, if, do you want to hear the really, the huge miracle that God did to get us there to get the kids? Yes. Well, Okay. Right before it was time for us to go, um, we started having some really weird things happen in our kitchen. Um, we needed, okay, my husband can't do hamburgers without cloths and pickles. I had bought a huge <laughs> thing of cloths and pickles, and we couldn't find it one night. And, and he was like, honey, you know I can't. And I'm like, I promise, I bought the pickles. And, and we're looking, we're taking everything out of the fridge. We, we eat them without the pickles. We manage to choke it down. And um, the next morning we get up and the cloths and pickles are front and center in this huge thing. Well, this happened on repeat two different times. These were all huge things, mind you, from Costco. The big Parmesan grated cheese, the big diced garlic, those three things none of us could find. And the next morning we got up and they were front and center. So I told my son, Dylan, my oldest son, I said, I don't know what God's trying to teach me here. Like he's trying to get something true through to us. And I think it's like Corey Tinboom used to talk about the invisibility factor mm. with the Bibles. She would smuggle Bibles in and she said people would look straight at these Bibles and they wouldn't see them because God can do anything, anything. So I was like, I think God's been hiding these things from our eyes to show us something about. And I, I had no idea how this was going to play out. Okay, so we travel to Texas. We drop all the kids off with family and friends, okay? And we're headed, Chris and I are headed to Africa. Well, we get to the airport, and we realize, and they took my ticket and my passport, and they said, this is not the same person. And I was like, oh, yes, it is. It's me. It's me. And they're, and they're like, this is a different last name. And I was like, what? And it was my maiden name on the ticket and my passport had my married name of 20 some years oh. that I had never done this before. But I realized in my haste of booking the tickets and having worked through adoption papers, you always use the mom's maiden name oh. and all the papers. Mm -hmm. And we were working a youth camp and I like had to 
it was like I got a notice or I remembered, oh, my goodness, I've got like 30 minutes to book our international tickets or they're going to go away. I had to do it on my phone. I'm running up to the cabin. I'm doing it on my phone. And I guess I just somehow because I was like, how did this happen? When this first happened, then I realized, wait, I was the one that booked this. No one else knows my maiden name. Like it had to be me. So we went into full. I was just like, oh, no, I have to go. Like, I have to go pick up the kids. Like, this is what we're doing. And they're like, man, we can't even let you on a flight if your middle name is wrong. This is your last name. And I'm like, I am telling you, I married him. And, I, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. So we had our marriage certificate on file in Sierra Leone. So I emailed my friend who had our file there. And I'm thinking they're eight hours ahead. Who knows if she's even awake emailed her she emailed me right back a scan of my marriage certificate or wedding marriage certificate so i'm like holding it up on my phone like look I'm i have to go and they're like ma'am this is and ridiculous and we're like okay how much would it cost to buy a ticket and they said it's eight thousand for the one-way ticket there and and right when they said eight thousand i remembered the invisibility factor and I was like, oh. and I was like, honey, no. I was like, what? Sorry, my phone was just yeah. trying to ring. Um, my phone, um, so I, I just whispered to him, I'm like, this is it. This is it, the invisibility factor. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, if we can just convince them to let us through, then we're, we're fine, you know? So, Anyway, they ended up going, okay, after much talk and all this, they said, ma'am, we're going to let you through, but good luck. You've got nine more checkpoints between here and Africa and your stop. And I was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. So we went, we made a printout of the marriage certificate. We tried to get our story together and we just thought we're getting on this plane. Well, we just were praying like crazy. I made it all the way to Africa and back, <laughs> only got detained three times out of all those stops. Oh my God. Each time I got detained, I they just put me in a room and I was ready to whip out my marriage certificate, tell them the whole story, say, look, I've made it this far. <laughs> and every step I kept making it, I just thought my story's getting better and better. <laughs> well, um, but you know what? God is so amazing. Again, the invisibility factor must have come in clutch because every single time they came into the room and profusely apologized and ushered me out like I was the queen of, I don't know what they saw on that ticket. Oh my they, God. They were literally offering me like, can we get you water? Can we? And I just thought, God, you're amazing. Yeah. You are amazing. He got me all the way there and back on and they check every time your yeah. passport and your ticket mm -hmm. and so that was a huge miracle and then even on the way back to add since i didn't have any stress going on you know at yeah. every, anyway <laughs> um we had just left the ebola hotbed literally ebola came to their village the week after we got them out of there but we, all these signs up about ebola we're all fine but then in Brussels, John started, like our second stop, John started, he had a high fever, was vomiting, diarrhea, everything. And 
and literally Chris and I didn't even say the E word. It was too scary. It was too scary. And everyone was trying to figure out where we were from because he was shaking violently with his fever. And we literally, they must've thought I was a crazy woman. Like, you know, where it says like David acted crazy in front of his enemies. So that to do, that's what I was being. I was talking a mile a minute about everything, but anything but telling them where our origination point was, because I thought at this point, you don't want to know. Yeah. If Ebola, we're all dead anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, you know, we had both sets of grandparents, all the aunts and uncles, and all of our kids waiting at Dallas-Fort Worth Airport for us to get off there. And, and then I thought, I mean, I'm surprised this is it. You know, this may be the end, but... It was surprising, but anyway, it ended up being, I never thought I'd say this, he only had malaria. <laughs> Yay, malaria, he's got malaria. So we had malaria meds with us, so 48 hours later, he was better. But wow. anyway, yeah, there were some definitely faith-stretching moments and challenges along the way. All right, Brenna, these, these stories are amazing. I mean, just all the miracles that are threaded in from Ebola to security points to, yay, now we're praying that he has malaria. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. it puts things in, in perspective for sure. But tell us, like, I, I could just sit here and, and, and listen to you all day long. Tell us now how it gets from the point that you have your kids and now you're doing this mixed family and you turn into mom coach. How does that happen where we're having to figure out, do I play favorites? Um, do people know, okay, the, these are the ones that came into my family? Like what, I can't imagine because there's so many times my kids, I tell them all the time if they've done something, I go, well, that's because I don't love you as much as I love this one. You know, I, I continuously remind them, well, because you're not my favorite. Um, can't, you can't joke about that kind of stuff in your no. situation. So how, how we have three minutes and we're going into um, a little bit of a, a break in the show and then we're going to come right back. So we don't want anybody to leave, but give us, how you meshed all of this together. You know, first I want to say God was so good that the very first night that we landed in Sierra Leone and I, I was reading my Bible and he reaffirmed to me a verse he'd given to me for my kids. And it's Isaiah 59, 21. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you and my words that I've put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. Mm -hmm. And what he told me was, I want you to know this is for all, all of your children. This is the word. It includes them. And so even though it was, it was definitely a hard, because you've got kids that come from a trauma background that have their ways ingrained in them that have not been brought up with a family and discipline and and things like that, um, God definitely showed me that. And then, you know, we just took one day at a time and we just loved profusely. And, you know, two of my kids out of the seven got about 90% of my attention for about two years. Yeah. And um, that was okay. Everyone was at an age where they were okay with that. Um, my youngest was sixth grade and she was very mature and the Lord gave her the grace 
to be able to give up her baby girl spot because then we have a boy and a baby girl. Mm-hmm. And um, just God's grace covered us all along the way. So what, what do you mean by that, Brenda? Two of your kids had the, had the spotlight. The two, the two, adopt- like the, the two wow. adopted ones, um, they needed so much more. Yeah. Us mm-hmm. and me. And another thing that I did, I had written the coach mom book, like, I don't know, seven or eight years before I was just like, throw that out because that's for kids that start with you. Like throw that out. We're on a new game plan now because these things we've got to reestablish the security and bonding. Yeah. And hold that thought. We're going right back. Are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It, hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? All things Girlfriend Share. Welcome to Girlfriend. All right, Brandy, we had a little music cut there, and you were right in the middle of saying, throw that out as you started the, the book on... Uh, coaching mom. So give us a little bit more of, of the details on that. Well, I just, I've been in a learning process of what it's like to um, nurture and bring up kids that have not been brought up in the secure environment of a loving mm-hmm. and disciplined home. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's given me a lot of insight into any blended family, mm-hmm. you know, people that are step parenting, um, yeah. just, you know, it's not maybe quite as simple as I thought <laughs> all these formulas where I do, I do believe, um, I just believe a lot has to be established with love and bonding before you can even move towards some of the discipline, uh, that, to bring up our kids in the way that they want and that we want to, but it's not easy. Well, Which is so interesting. That, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Patty. No, you go ahead, Deb. I was going to say just uh, one thing that's that I know about you is that kids really weren't going to be your thing, and now kids are your whole life. Yeah, it's it's funny. When I was a kid. I didn't really, my sister gravitated towards the little ones. We had, we had, um, my husband, my, my husband, my dad was a minister and we had a lot of people in in our home. We were always opening it up. Well, I always wanted to sit at the adult table and get in on that discussion and listen in and just find out what was going on and, and all that. And my sister loved playing with the little kids. When I got married, I literally was like, ah, I hope that, I mean, my mom was amazing. I don't, I'm not much like my mom. I'm, I'm like more like my dad. <laughs> and I was like, I hope that I will enjoy my kids. I know that I want to have children, but I really didn't know really what kind of a mom I would be. And actually, 
I kind of got that feedback from other people. I know I was really nervous. It was just days before I had my firstborn. And I was like, I hope I can, I hope I can be a good mom. And, and my father-in-law was laughing one day, laughing. And I was like, what are you chuckling about? And he goes, I just can't imagine you a mom. You know what I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> I can't either. Don't say that. I don't need to hear that right now. Oh um, it was stuff like that. I was coming into it. And, and really, I'm a triplet, and I always thought, well, three was great. Uh, I didn't want three at one time, hopefully, but um, from because I heard how hard it was. But my husband had two, a, a sister, and so he thought maybe we'll have two. I thought, well, maybe three. And, I mean, we never thought we'd have seven. <laughs> but well, you, I don't remember. Had you already written Coach Mom before the, the kids came? Yes, I okay. wrote Coach Mom when Karis, my my oldest daughter, was a baby. Hmm. So yeah, so yeah. You were, yeah, you were just coaching for five of them. And yeah. uh, uh, let me just say, uh, Brenna's kids are all grown. I know all of them. Um, to a point where I was in the uh, when I was in the room when Brenna had Micah, the professor. Yeah, the um, yeah, I was. I was right in the room, and um, they are uh, amazing kids. And I know that you have raised them to appreciate everything, and they've not been given mm-hmm. a whole lot. They have all made their own way, and you are a thrift store queen. You love thrift stores like I do. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about that, Brenna. Tell us, like, you have some some tips in your coaching mom on, uh, like, how to have an argue-free home. We we were talking, and we, we put it out there that, you know, sometimes it's the defiant ones that end up being the ones that are the most successful because they're not going to just be compliant and take it all in. It's like, no, and give me the why. Explain this to me. Help me understand, you know, why we're doing this. And and those are the ones that, you know, at the time we want to put them away or, I don't know, put a leash on them at Disneyland, right? Because they're the ones that are running everywhere. Give us some some tips here on the, the defiant ones or the ones that are arguing, the ones that we, we want to bring peace into our home. And you have amazing information and downloads that we can uh, lead people to. But give us a few of those takeaway tips. Yeah, I, I think so much of it has to do with kind of thinking ahead on things and communicating to our family. And so one of the things is just deciding where, where are the peace zones in our house? And I'm putting up a little sign that says peace zone. Mm. And then I'm just not allowing arguing. And it's just like point to the sign, you know, don't argue about it. Or, or um, I have, let me, let me grab these real quick. Like one of the rules is if you complain about a, a chore, if you complain about a job, you're volunteering for another one. So like a little slip that you just hand them that says, thank you for volunteering too. And then you put their name and you put what their next job is. And then when it needs to be completed by (laughs) whenever they're asking, uh, can, oh, here's another one, a sign. My printer was not working on color, but basically when they're wanting to argue about stuff, just hold up the sign. It says, I love you too much to argue. So you just keep this handy 
And then you just either point to it or you're just like, you know, that. So when you hand that to the boys and they're fighting and arguing and you hand that to them, then they do what? Okay, so what I do when they're arguing with each other, it's set the timer for a minute. And they know, like when my when my boys were little, the thing that worked the best, are, I, they never ever didn't stop arguing whenever I did any one of these things. I'd set the timer and I'd be like, guys, you've got one minute. I mean, we all default to guys, guys, come on, your brothers, yeah. be loving, yeah. da, 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 da. no. <laughs> yeah. Here it is. You set the timer for one minute and just say, guys, if you don't find a way to resolve this before that timer goes off, you're going to, and then give them. And I, a lot of times I would say, hold hands, skip back and forth across the yard and sing, skip to Malou, my darling, <laughs> until I say stop. You know, well, they, they found a way. It's amazing how they can suddenly be on the same team when it's yeah. something like that. The other day, even I'm still using this. Um, the other day, my two youngest were arguing about something and they were being so loud. I thought they're not even going to see me set the timer and I'm going to have them. And I walked over to the timer and I just said it real quietly. <laughs> and then they both looked over and they're like, she set the timer. <laughs> and they were like, they figured it out real fast. But they were like, you were trying to set it without telling us, you know, but they heard it even in the midst of their yelling and they stopped. So it's just stuff like that. that mm -hmm. It's kind of like, I like to make up fun things. Like yeah. it's fun, but they really don't want to do it. Yeah. So they figure it out and it's just mm -hmm. like. Oh, but now I'll bet as old as adults, because your kids are all, the older ones are all adults now, that they crack up thinking about, you know, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 I had a friend who had one of those big, huge, you know, double extra large shirts and she would make them get both get into the shirt. So she had yeah. the neck cut out and it was, it was exactly it. what you said. If you don't stop, then the shirt goes on. And so they'd have to wear the shirt together with their arms in it. I love it. they would work it out. But you really don't ever have to wear the shirt, right? Because they're like, no, don't put me in the shirt. And they, they figure it out. My mom used to say, don't come to me unless there's blood. And I don't know why, but we never argued. We just figured it out. So it is funny when you put those ground rules down. And to this day, we all get along and there's, there's six of us. Yeah. So it's the, the mom definitely sets the tone mm -hmm. on what mm -hmm. is allowed. And, yeah. and I love your, the peace sign, the peace zone is, is great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it gives them permission too, because I have a fiery one, Caleb, he would start throwing fits about things. Well, first of all, you throw a fit, it's an automatic no. For whatever you want, wow. it's automatic no. That's a rule. Mm. But if he was just throwing a basic fit about something, um, I would just try. I would try to take a deep breath because it's so easy to get emotional and get all fired up with them, with that yeah. emotion, to match the emotion. So I'd just be praying, and I would just be like, this is the peace stone. You will need to go to your room to finish your fit. And if he wouldn't move, I most of the time he wouldn't move because he had like flopped down on the floor. And I would pick him up and his arms and legs would be flailing. And I'd just be like, 
you can finish this in your room. And I'm just trying to talk very calm. Mm -hmm. I would put him on his bed and say, if you need to hit your pillow, whatever. And what was amazing was he would go on for maybe 20 minutes. This was not just an act. He literally needed to get something yeah. out. He mm -hmm. would go on screaming and stuff for 20 minutes. And then he'd come out and go, I'm done. <laughs> I, just, I laughed every time. It never had, I never had to do anything. Like it was just, he got it out and he was done. So it's not like making them suppress either too. Sometimes they need to get something out, but it's just like, you're not going to interrupt our piece. Mm. We realize you have something to work through. Go mm. work through it in your own space. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Those are great, Brenna. Uh, what other, what other non-argue tips uh, did you come up with? <laughs> not argue. Patty argues with me like all the time <laughs> on the Thursday shows. And so I'm thinking I might use some of these tools. On um, her. To you Patty. Yeah. Patty's very bossy, so we're going to have to need some, need some advice. And you know what, Brenda, that's a really good point because you do have children that like the conflict. Like, it's it's a competition, and it's part of our temperament to, oh, yeah. uh, to almost stir things up because we we enjoy that. And I, I am able to see who people are and how we're moving forward by understanding what, how they deal with conflict. Yeah. So it's, I think it's someone that really likes psychology. And I, we were just talking earlier. I would, I would rather read people than a magazine because I love to see what happens with that. So uh, yeah, give us some more. And, and I want to know how you take the, uh Oh, uh oh, how you probably take the tips and uh, implement them uh, in your family <laughs> and speak for Patty. Because I froze Patty. I literally wrote she reached into her screen and I <laughs> now. I'm sure was ready to oh, and you're back. <laughs> I felt it. I felt it. Sherry just zoomed me out. All right. So here we go, Brenna. Give us how to okay. get organized here with all of this. Okay. So another thing in the argue free home is giving a place for them to express their angst or whatever it is. Like we've all got stuff that we want to get out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And instead of being bothered a hundred times a day, Johnny did this to me, you know, and dealing with that from the time they were really little, I had what I called a tattle box, but what I've changed that to now is a suggestion box because and But what they could do is go put in whatever they wanted to put, and then I'll check it at the end of the day, okay? So even kids who can't write, they can oh, scribble these pictures, and I'm telling you, I saw some determined art artists <laughs> who kind of show what was going on. But, like, what I've got here, there's some, for this suggestion box, there's different slips that they could fill out. Like, I feel blank when blank. I need blank. Mm. And then they write their their signature. Then there's suggestions. Well, I need that just for myself. <laughs> <laughs> write that down. Yeah, I can send it to you. Um, okay, and then there's like, this is the problem, and then three possible solutions. So, I mean, literally with our junior in high school, yeah. John, right now, if he's like, I've got a problem with 11 o'clock curfew, why can it never be extended? Then he can come to and write and say, mm. my problem is mm. I've got this special thing going on. It's mm -hmm. prom or it's whatever. Mm. Three possible solutions. Allow me this one time. Mm. Or, you know, it's a respectful way to, yeah. to ask. And again, it's, it's getting ahead of it. So much of 
mothering and, and doing it intentionally is just getting ahead of it, communicating, thinking things through, and then we feel better as moms, so we're not reactive. I know there were times I was, you know, yelling at my kids, this and that, and I literally thought to myself, if I wasn't running late right now, yeah. and they were doing this, if I was early and they were doing what they're doing while they're getting into the van right now, mm-hmm. would I even care? No, I'm taking out my frustration. I feel defeated. I feel yep. angry at myself. I'm late again. And I'm taking it out on them because they're little and I can. So I think so much of it is when we get prepared and we feel confident and then we can be calm and we've thought things through ahead of time. So that's what I try to help moms do is think things through ahead of time, Mm -hmm. get a plan, be intentional. And I I help Christian moms. If people aren't open to a faith focus, they don't want me because it's all about Based on the Bible, we're raising kingdom warriors, and everything that we do is intentional and purposeful towards that, and honoring God, honoring God with order in our home, honoring God with our time. How are we spending it? Mm-hmm. Um, my four kids, my life verse, Psalm ninety twelve, teach us to number our days aright, O Lord, that we might gain a heart of wisdom, and I'm about making every minute count, so my kids have gotten that you can imagine what it's like to have a mom like that like your mom's like that like to see you sitting around laying around on your phone no they don't so my my kids have they definitely feel that but you know I think go back to um so the kids reactions when uh Mariama and John actually came into the home how, how, because it had to be such an unbelievable transition. You had teenagers at that point and you had little ones, right? Yeah. Oh man. And all hell broke loose against us when we brought the kids home. I, I know the enemy was so mad about this because he knew these kids were going to be in a home that will support them. He knew that these kids are so gifted and God has big plans for these kids. And everything started happening, like pipes breaking loose, our house flooded. We had everyone, everyone was home and all this crazy stuff kept happening. Meanwhile, we're trying to get over jet lag, get to know these kids who she couldn't even really speak the English language very well. We're trying to communicate. We're trying to, we've been told, spend their, they need to be like Velcro on you. Do, do not leave them for a moment, 24-7. So we're trying to like swim three times a day, bond, have fun. <laughs> rub. They were saying, you know, you can bond by run, rubbing lotion on their feet, you know, when they're older and you haven't had the chance to hold them. That's a way to touch. We're trying to do all this stuff in their I've got 13 people to feed for lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. Our pipes are breaking loose. Um, The kids, you know, I've heard about the honeymoon period that there can be with adoption. I'm not sure we were ever there. Maybe on the flight home. Maybe on the flight home. But the immediate thing was they started ganging up against us and, you know, saying things that, I know they were just speaking out of hurt. Yeah. They were they were scared. And um so it was very very difficult. Um but but all the the God just gave everyone the grace, the older kids and then the ones that shared rooms with them, you know, needed a little extra grace because 
It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. But, you know, those two kids, I thought, they'll never adopt. They'll never adopt. And those two that had the hardest, they have been, they told, they both told me within the last year, they want to adopt when they get, and I was like, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Are you kidding? And they're just like, we see, we see the difference, you know? Really? So. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Patty. Well, how old are they now? the, The ones that want to adopt? They are 20 and 18. Okay. Wow. They were sixth grade and eighth or seventh, sixth and seventh grade when we adopted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One so of um, the strong personalities um, of your adopted children. I mean, not only are they coming into a uh, Christian, big, loving family, they are not the same color as your family. So everything, I mean, I don't know. I'm so fascinated by all of it because I've watched it happen. But uh, one of the things that I think I said to you a couple weeks ago was, how did you handle? You were almost an empty nester. What were you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) We're just thinking, Lord, help us be strong to the finish. We can't think about that. So many of our, our friends are empty nesting right now. Like so many of our best friends, and it's just like, Oh, wow. We've still got middle school. We just got out of elementary school. We were literally in elementary school for more than 20 years with one, one year off, one year off out of 20. Wow. And, um, and so we're just trying to be strong to the finish. You know, we try not to think about (laughs) because it just sounds so wonderful. Yeah. Oh, no. Who wants that? Right. But you okay? talk about organization, because at one point you had five when when I remember it was the five kids. You might have had the other two already, but you've got five kids in five different sports. And I think you had one in college. You've got some in high school. I mean, you were going all the time. You would have a long list. And I remember thinking, I don't even like Brennistall anymore. Like, I cannot. I'm just trying to get to the grocery store. And you've got five different sports going on. And you and Chris are, like, going to different sports. How in the world did you have a big calendar? How did you do this? Now I've got the calendar you made me, Debbie, the beautiful wall calendar. Um, But I... You know, it was just a day by day walking with the Lord and in the Lord's grace. And, you know, what's crazy is I've taken these personality tests and I've sat with two different counselors that literally laughed in my face because they said, oh, this is a joke. You're in charge of five kids. That was when I had five kids. They were like, oh. That is funny. That is funny because I'm a big visionary. I am not into details. My poor husband, like probably the biggest angst of our marriage has been that he is a detail person and he expects me to be on the details. And I try my best. I really do. But it's not my natural tendency. But I believe this whole coach mom thing. Well, the deal is I'm not naturally gifted at the details. But what God gave me when I was going under and I had, I had my fourth baby and I just, I couldn't get anywhere on time. The kids couldn't find their shoes. We couldn't, we couldn't do anything. I began praying, Lord, there's got to be a better way. Please help me bring order. And what's amazing, it was God's will that my house be orderly. And he just started bringing ideas. I would see something, I would try it. 
it worked. It gave me the boundaries I needed. Mm-hmm. And so my neighbors started asking, what are you doing? Like they saw the difference and, and I just started telling them and they were all asking the same questions. And finally I said, can we just form a class? Cause I'm t- telling six yeah. of you a different. So we formed the first coach mom class mm-hmm. in my home. They all came every week and it was a great chance to share my faith and also to just share some practical things to help them and it all it worked so i started speaking more on it the lord led me to write a book about it and i was not looking for one more thing to do by that time i had five kids um they were nine and under five kids and i will just tell you this is a testament to the strategies work. Mm-hmm. They work for anyone, even someone like me, because I was able to pull off writing a book in four months and it did not disturb my family mm-hmm. at all because um, I did it. I had one time during the day when I had a 30 minute to one hour block that mm-hmm. only my three-year-old Micah was, or two-year-old was with me and he was my own one and only calm boy and (laughs) he would sit on my lap and that's why I dedicated the book to him because Mm -hmm. he would sit and he gave up his time one-on-one time because the other I had one in half day kindergarten that got out at like 10 30 don't you hate that like it's like why even go to school exactly are you kidding me right now I mean, he got off the bus at 1030. It got, it got out. He got out at like 1010 or something crazy. So I had this one little window where the baby had the morning nap. Mm-hmm. Husband was at work. The two other boys were in school, a half day kindergarten. And then only the two year old needed me. Mm-hmm. And that was when I wrote it. But that just is a testimony to this stuff works. And that's what I've been giving myself these boundaries and these strategies all along. And Debbie, as we got, as the kids got older, then it just came out in different ways. And part of it is realizing we don't have to do everything as moms. I remember feeling so guilty because I thought, ah, I'm not, I hear moms say, or I hear athletes say, my mom never missed a game. And I'm just like, ah, like how (laughs) would I ever pull that off? Like I can never be that mom. Mm-hmm. And then I met, I just feel like it was God's grace. I met someone at a tennis tournament, a mom, and she told me, she goes, you know, sometimes we just miss our kids' games intentionally because we don't want them to think it's all about them, that the world revolves around them. And we want them to have ownership in what they are doing. We want them to do it because they want to do it. And I was like, wow. oh man, I'm grabbing hold of that. Right? <laughs> Freedom. 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 Yeah. So stuff like that helped mm-hmm. well, did an amazing job at it and um i wish everyone who could who's listening could also see you because you are one of the most animated and exciting speakers uh, <laughs> i know we all feel the same way it's just so mm-hmm. fun to listen to you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take us out with your best your best shot what you feel like god really would have you say Well, what I really felt like he wanted me to say today as I prayed through this, I I know I'm always giving practical tips and things like that, but I feel like we're at a moment in time where God wants us to rise up 
God gave me the word arrived for this year, for 2020. And he said, redeem the time on your knees. And he started multiplying my time to the point where I could spend two or three hours a day sometimes on my knees in prayer in January and February. And then look what broke in March. Mm-hmm. And I believe this is a very excited, exciting time in history that we've been put on this earth. Mm-hmm. God could have brought any one of us in in the 1920s or whatever, but he chose to bring us in for such a time as this. Mm -hmm. And I believe that he has a special calling on every believer. Every believer has something, a passion for something, a way to impact their world. And I just want to encourage, I I just want to say, do it scared, do it scared, Mm -hmm. move forward. Even Mm -hmm. if you never dreamed it, Move forward and do it because God's power is with you as you obey him. Mm. And he absolutely provides every step along the way. Wow. That is definitely a word for me. I know because Mm. I, I definitely struggle with perfection over progression and to Mm. just say, okay, Lord, just, if this is what you have for me, you're going to take me through it. And obviously when the, you know, when everybody says God's never going to give you more than you can handle. Did you at any point go, oh, I don't believe that. You know what I did. I know there's 30 seconds left. Um, just really quick. There was one time when there was a major, major uh, problem with my daughter that I, I literally just left the room and I thought, I don't think I can do this. And You know what, what I had to do, what got me through, even if I didn't believe in myself, I had to lean into what God believed because he made it clear we were supposed to adopt. And if he believed I could do it, then I could do it. So I leaned into him. Thanks, Brenna. Our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.